0: Welcome to another Ditch Cast. this time another friend of mine whom I've known, I think you said 17 years, yes. Dana Bayer, right? Uh, I, I, you know, I've never actually s- pronounced your last name, you've always been Dana to me, so I didn't, I'm glad it's Bayer. Um, okay. and you're a <clears throat> transgender woman, um, if that's a... Fair thing to say. That
1: no, I'm, we can go into the specifics. Okay, we would. So <laughs> she's, so politically, yes, I'm a trans woman. So yes. That,
0: so. um, and a very distinguished one at that. Um, I'll just give you a quick... uh, uh is a Cornell graduate, uh, BA from the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine. In 1978, as a doctor of medicine. Then also JFK government. Uh, school at Harvard for senior executives in state and local government, Um, and has been executive director of Gender Rights Maryland, and still are.
1: Mm, You sort of, we've, you know, we'll talk about
0: that. The world has changed, right? Let's talk about it. it. Um, And also a politician from Maryland who ran in the Democratic primary for State Senate District 18 and nearly won, but didn't.
1: No, I haven't won. I ran four times and didn't win, and we can talk about that too, because- you know, the world has changed also. To me, to me, that was my contribution to civil rights, just by being out there, knocking on doors.
0: And Dana, um, remind me again. I've done this with several other people because I've known people for many years and I never quite remember exactly how we met. How did we exactly meet all those years? Do you remember?
1: Yeah, I think <laughs> I think right after I completed my transition back in '03, you had published something. I don't know where you were at the time. I think you weren't at the New Republic anymore in 03. I mean, who knows? But you remember. had published something about gender. You hadn't written much about it at all. You had been publishing about marriage equality. You know, you were you sort of broke the ice on a lot of that. You gave the conservative view for marriage equality, which I found, surprisingly, for a progressive leftist to be, oh, well, I, I, that's interesting. Well, maybe I should use some of that, right? And... I got upset at something you said because it seemed like it was simply based on ignorance. It wasn't based on malice. It was just based on ignorance. And so I reached out to you. And we then had breakfast at the diner in Adams Morgan for three hours. Yeah, I remember. Right? And so that was a really positive conversation. And I've thought of you as a friend ever since then because you were willing to listen and I heard you and got your perspective. I mean, after I came out, And decided to sort of pay it back to the people who had made my transition possible, but also to pay it forward because I didn't want any child to suffer the way I had suffered as a child. And we can talk about my autobiography a little bit later. I got involved in the LGBT movement, as it was called at the time. And we can talk
0: about the alphabet soon. Was it ever called that at the time? It was, well,
1: it was the at that time, it was the LGB movement. right? Although the B has always been a small B because the bi folks have always been marginalized. They were marginalized by gay men, by gay women. And so that's a whole different issue. And I'm sort of bi, and I, I take that personally. But... Okay, that's that's not for today. So you came out, uh, but when I when I transitioned, I mean, I began my transition in 1990, but I didn't complete it until my children were one was graduating from from high school, and such. So, so I didn't, I we didn't know in the 90s, the impact of a transitioning parent on young children. Well, there was no data at all on this. So I decided to be prudent. I decided to put my needs you know, behind my children's needs, and I didn't complete my transition. I wasn't living as myself then until 2003 when it seemed like it was feasible. And when I did that and I came out into the community, well, there was HRC down the block there, and there was a task force, and I was involved with the founding of NCTE, the National Center for Trans Equality, in 2003. But I came out, and most of the people involved in the sexual minority movement were gay people. And most of my earliest friends were gay men. Now that may be interesting to you. I, I don't know why that turned out that way. Lesbians have always been much tougher not to crack. <laughs> but it was mostly gay men, and I started reading about this, and you know, the, this was the brood here in Dupont Circle in those days, and I started getting involved. And my first, uh, my first real political involvement was with Equality Maryland, which had passed its sexual orientation protection bill in two thousand and one. And in the 90s, there were these battles internally about adding gender identity or not. And the trans community got kicked under the bus and then never wanted to talk to them again. And and what was then free state justice sort of folded up its tent and said, well, we've finished our job. There's no need to be here. Two years later, it was recreated. And to the credit of Dan Fermansky, who was the executive director at the time, he invited me in to say, hey, you know, we need to take care of trans people now, so we don't want you to be on the outside.
0: So let's dial all the way back. You talked about what you dealt with as a child. And I don't want to pry, but I do think it's important because people genuinely, most people, they they haven't had real interaction with a trans person. The vast majority of people have not. They're confused about it. Uh, this is also true of gay men and lesbians as well as straight people. Uh, and, yes, very much so, and I can tell the story about that too. Well, so. we we will, <laughs> like, but tell me, when did when did this? How did this arrive in your childhood? There you are. Um, what's the first moment that you're like, "Whoa, this is I'm not like others," or I, I identify or feel somehow? I want to, I want to just. I know it's probably impossible to describe. It's hard for me to describe coming to terms and understanding the fact that I was gay. So I, I find the transgender experience a lot, to be honest, I think it's a lot harder than oh, a gay it, experience. It is.
1: But it's similar in that you have this inherent sense of who you are, and it's at odds with the world. And that's where the whole trans concept comes in versus cis. Cis people don't have that conflict. If you're a guy and you look in the mirror and you see yourself as a boy and then as a man and you grow a beard and everything, that's all seamless. There's That's the default, right? But if you look at yourself in the mirror and you go, wait a minute, this is wrong. I know I'm a girl. That causes a conflict. That's sort of like the racial equivalent in this country would be is if you're a white person, you look in the mirror, you don't go, oh, my God, I'm a white person today again. Whereas black people go, okay, another day as a black person in America. So it's that default. That's the majority default. When I was seven, I remember watching, back when TVs had like three channels, in New York there were five, watching a commercial for Breck shampoo Mm -hmm. with this beautiful little white blonde girl, of course, in the 50s, it's 1959, and thinking, I am her. Why can't I get that shampoo? And with time, because I was a thoughtful kid, a studious kid, I I had a modern orthodox upbringing. I went to yeshiva. I was in school for 10 hours a day. I was reading profusely, everything I can get my hands on. So thinking about these things was not alien to me. And then I just kept realizing that, you know, wait a minute, I'm a girl, but nobody's treating me that way. This was 1959. All America knew at that point about trans was Christine Jorgensen. Who came home in December of 1952, nine months after I was
0: born? Who is she? Remember Christine me?
1: Jorgensen was the first public American trans person who was uh, an ex GI. This was 1952, right? The war ended seven years earlier. She went to Denmark for her genital reconstruction surgery and came home, and this was headline news at the time, breaking news. You know, no cable, but. It certainly was. It was on the front page of the New York
0: papers. But nonetheless, if you go back in history, obviously there were plenty of trans people yes, around. Yes, and, there were. And so she may have been the first explicit, I've I've changed my genitals, as it right. were. Right, But there were lots of, I mean, the history is full of anecdotes and stories of, of, of women who lived as men and men who lived as women, although I think a little bit more of the former than the latter. Yes, because it's
1: always easier. We know that. We've had tomboys in our society for a hundred years. It's easier for women to pass as men than vice versa. But you're right, you're a student of religious history. Uh, I always found it interesting, and we don't have to get into the biblical admonition against homosexuality, which is really, I think you're aware, it's an admonition against being a bottom in male homosexuality. It's not an admonition against being the top. And that says that explicitly. There are only two sentences in Leviticus. They're identical, virtually identical, and that's all they talk about. You cannot lie with a man as a woman. Not you. Two men can't have sex. And then as an afterthought, 1,800 years or so later, the rab- somebody asked a rabbi, well, what about women having sex with each other? And the rabbi said, well, I don't know. Is that a problem? But we ban it for men, so I guess we have to ban it for women. So that's where that
0: came from. Well, right? that, was, that was and Queen Victoria famously um couldn't wrap her head around that which is why it was never made illegal in England. <laughs> right. Because she just had no idea what they would do. <laughs> right.
1: Right, but that's part of that 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 went on for thousands of years. It's like why is that a problem? Why do we care? They're in the tent there anyway and we don't see but them. But this right? isn't like about
0: that. this isn't about sexual behavior at all. It's about I your core identity, right? Right. And, no, and, but
1: that's not what people thought. They thought it was about sexual behavior. And if you go back to the Torah and if you go back to your, you know, Christian scriptures, The closest thing to a trans person, certainly a trans woman, were called Sim or eunuchs. And I know because I've read this, I'm not a scholar of, uh, you know, the Christian Testament, but the Newer Testament, as I would call it, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes, which was written in you know CE instead of AD, just to you know clarify that for you uh, <laughs> to be more inclusive, right? We're talking about well, inclusion on many A- levels, AD
0: is pretty but inclusive, it's your, it's, I have to say. No, yeah, it's
1: your Lord; it's not mine, so that's why Common Era is better. But uh, you know, the, uh, Matthew spoke about you know eunuchs who were forced to be eunuchs. Eunuchs who were born eunuchs and eunuchs who chose to be eunuchs. And that pretty much covers the trans woman experience. There are there are males who were, you know, castrated at birth. There was the famous case, the David Reimer case, where he was quartered, they were doing circumcisions in the hospital, and the intern or whatever used the electrocordary and burned off his penis, and he was raised up at Hopkins, you know, through Hopkins intervention, as a girl, and it didn't take, and that was one of the really first important understandings that we had, the gender identity, which is really sexual identity, we can get into why we call it the gender identity later, is rooted in the brain. That's brain sex. That's why trans people are trans people. Like you said, you just sort of know it. And I, I used to, back in 03, right after the invasion of Iraq, and I'd be giving these talks, and I, I would say, okay, I know you really don't get this. Why would a man, because you're thinking that I used to be a man, want to be a woman, why would you have your penis removed? And I said, just imagine for a moment, you're walking down the street in Baghdad and you step on an IED and five days later, you wake up in recovery and there's this big hole in your crotch and you look down at it and you go, oh, my God. And a doctor comes in and say, well, tell me, are you a man or a woman? And you go, uh, 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 you know, oh, of course I'm a man. I go, well, how do you know you're a man? There's no genitalia down there at all. And the answer to that is, well, I just know. Well, We it's- all know that. It's not because your father waved his penis at you when you were little and said, this makes you a man, even though your father probably did that. But it's not because of that. It's because you know. And we know there are intersex people. We'll talk about that in more detail later, who are not really male and not really female. There's they're some sort of combination of the two. And we know from examples of variations of intersex people that you can be born without male genitalia and yet feel perfectly male. As a matter of fact,
0: the whole now here's, here's what I want. Here's the question that I think people want to think about: feel male. Now, that's part of the question here is what does that mean, and and what is isn't this a sort of something you've absorbed from outside yourself rather than something that you know? Within yourself. It's very hard. I mean, the person who had their bottom blown off, uh, would say, Well, I always had a penis, I always had a dick, so I always knew I was a man. And I and I all the things that one associates with being a man, the secondary sex characteristics, puberty, et cetera, et cetera. And also physiology, um, the the way a body grows under the influence of testosterone or estrogen, these are differences that you can tangibly see in yourself. Um so for example I was aware as a gay kid that I was a boy because when I was thrown into the showers with every other boy I had the same shit down there um and although I actually thought because I had been circumcised don't get, don't let's not go into that but let because I had been and nobody else in England really was really oh, okay i actually thought that might be why i was gay i mean i was literally trying to figure <laughs> out for with no knowledge whatsoever of, of why i was feeling different than these other guys but at the same time i was perfectly aware that i was like identical to them physically now that's a different experience than than believing you're a girl. so when you when you looked at that commercial and you you thought that's me were you thinking in any way of genitalia at that point? No, no, not
1: at all. I mean, who what seven-year-old really thinks about genitalia much? You're aware with it and... of it, yeah, but it's nothing. It doesn't turn you on because it's you're not wired yeah. for that wiring hasn't been activated. Right. It's but other activation. wiring has, right? Other wiring has, but it has nothing to do with, oh, I've got this and I'm gonna masturbate and it makes me feel good. That doesn't happen until later. And that's the activation phase. The development of human sexual identity of anatomy, physiology happens in utero and in the first year of postnatal. It's the activation of puberty that sends things into hyperdrive. But the
0: stuff in utero has already flooded you with either testosterone or well, testosterone. And so you you had were, a, You've had a very different experience right. in utero whether and I, you're a boy or a girl. Right.
1: And my experience is, I wouldn't, it's not unique. Uh, there are thousands of people like me, but I'll get into that because I had the same I spent 50 years searching for why I was trans mm-hmm. before I had the guts to actually live as myself. And I think a lot of people do that. And I think that's a function of those days rather than now. Now you don't have to go through all that. Now it doesn't really matter anymore. Once I transitioned, it's like, well, I'm glad I figured that out scientifically because it matters to me as a scientist. But, you know, nah, that so what? I'm happy now being me. So you're right. I'm not into feelings politically and stuff. And I think we have way too much of that. And we see it going on with the, the proud guys downtown and all of that stuff. Oh, my feelings! Did you call
0: them the proud goys?
1: Yes, they are. Re- <laughs> they're, 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 they're rebranding because a bunch of gay guys took on the moniker proud boys. And they figure, well, we have to distinguish ourselves from them. So they said proud guys. I don't think they you understand. Just made the media, that
0: up. You just made that up. They yeah, didn't call themselves okay. proud goys, But anyway, <laughs> that's right. But it's very funny. It is. Uh, <laughs> How do you know there aren't a bunch of Jews down there? Well, there probably there are, probably and are. that's a
1: whole separate issue of Jewish Nazis, and I don't want to go All there. Right. That's very painful. But, but uh, let's get
0: back to this. You, you know you were so a girl, I knew it. So, even though you were a boy. Right. Now, no, I even just, though I
1: was assigned male at birth and raised as a boy, treated as a boy, expected to behave like a boy, but I knew this wasn't quite right.
0: Okay. But that's different than me thinking I'm gay, right? Right, Comple- Even though completely it does, different. Although it does bring into question, am I really a man? I mean, that does, but, but it's a secondary thing. It's not, because I've never had, and the vast majority of gay men have never had any questions about their, their sex. Right. Uh, but I do want to get to this thing because uh, we do know that there are physiological and psychological Impacts of things like testosterone and estrogen. Right. I mean, you're you're a doctor of medicine. You know this stuff, and it's one of the reasons I want to talk to you about this because, like you, I'm, I, I'm I'm interested in what's true about this. That's right. all. I'm I'm fascinated by the world, and I want to get to the root of it if I can. Right. Now, sometimes you can't. There comes a point at which you get to a point where you say that's a mystery in some respects. It is a mystery. I mean, gender is a mystery. I mean, you can explain it in terms of our reproductive strategy, obviously, as a species, right. that that's we—that's how we're built. But then there's a whole bunch of other stuff just thrown in there of randomness and weirdness and, and nature's massive diversity. That
1: Or, or intimacy, right? I, the intimacy is still a mystery. Why is one person attracted to another, this right. type and all the rest? And we've learned, though, science has pretty much proven that Sexual orientation and gender identity, which is really sexual identity, are two independent brain functions. Yeah. Interestingly, going back to the history of this, in the late 80s and the early 90s, the search was on for the gay gene. Remember right. that? I do. Okay. And they never found it. There are a couple of possibilities that are out there, but it seems like, like the air has gone out of that balloon, and it hasn't mattered anymore. It's almost like, well, look, we accomplished all these great things politically, we don't, doesn't really matter anymore whether this is genetic or yeah, not. Yeah, but it's still interesting. It's still interesting, right? And as a scientist, you're a philosopher. I mean, we care about these things. Yeah. So, but beginning in 1995, well, that's when the research was published. So it began earlier studies of gender identity. Why are, are trans people really trans or are they like, you know, what you said before? Maybe it's because of your environment, this and that. We wanted answers. And the research started to be done. And over the past 25 years, there's been a huge amount of research which documents that trans people exist, men, trans men, trans women. This is real. Nobody's making this stuff up. When somebody tells you who they are, and as we've sort of memorialized in a lot of the laws that we've passed, including in Maryland, but 20 other states, and, and we will with the Equality Act, and we'll we can talk about that later. We
0: have Bostock.
1: Well, that's and we'll get to that I mean, later, huge. too. But is that, it, is it yes. not huge? Well, that's that's the culmination of my political
0: activism. Right. I mean, right. that's it. There's no question about it. That's the big kahuna. But it's amazing to me that there hasn't been as much celebration of which, that. which it's which almost is... kind of buried. But it's been a huge I mean, if, if, if you in the early 90s, if we'd said that transgender people will be written into the Civil Rights Act of 1964, you would have thought I was on drugs. right? Well,
1: here's something that's even more bizarre. Okay, I've done lots of things, ED of Equality, uh, uh, Vice Chair of Equality Maryland, ED of Gender Rights Maryland, stuff like that. But my focus as an activist has been pretty much to educate people about what trans is, particularly other religious people, because I speak that language. Right. Right. Having had my religious upbringing. I don't let the preachers, the evangelicals, the fundamentalists get away with the stuff that they try to pull. I I know the sources in the original language and so when they see me coming they put up the cross and they run the other <laughs> way. Right? But well, so, it's true
0: with me too. I mean, I knew my Catholic theology and I was able to go to Notre Dame and say, this doesn't make any sense, guys. Right. You you're not even consistent and coherent within your own worldview. So let's let's be honest about this. Right. And but that's a very this is why I love you, David, because that's a very different approach than a certain kind of contemporary activism, which is not about being vulnerable, talking to people, being patient with their arguments and questions, and and putting yourself out there in a way. Of course, it's not fair that you have to put yourself out there, but if you want things to change, you got to do that. You've um, just got to do that, and it's you know you can as a, mm. and and treating people with good faith, and then talking to them and answering questions and debating things is. Uh, you know, that's that's the way we have succeeded. Um, it's certainly the way that you've helped me understand this question. But I want to get back to this because I know it's what people really want to understand. Now, in some ways, when I, would, when I was trying to explain to heterosexuals what homosexuals were, I was like, well, it's kind of like you, just the other way around. Right.
1: But <laughs> why is that so hard to imagine? Why Why don't you have the imagination to go? Why can't boys like boys instead of girls? You can imagine that. If homosexual desire didn't exist, somebody would have to create it because we're highly varied in our diversity. This is how evolution works, right? Yes, yes. This is,
0: you know, At it's inevitable. At the same time, Dana, the, obviously we're designed as creatures to reproduce. And I'm not going to reproduce, you know, with another man. And so, therefore, there is something counterintuitive about this. We can learn to accept that diversity and we realize that it's – and it's also not massive. It's a small – Diversity—it's a, it's a variation upon a very big theme. It doesn't make it any less legitimate than the theme, the variation, but it is a variation. So we, I can see why people would say, "Well, that's kind of weird. I don't see the point of that." Um, but people eventually said, "This is who I am. This is how I feel." But the sense that you're a wholly different sex than you are—I—I I, again—so that was you. You had the the commercial moment. Right. And so how did that grow? I mean, how did you begin to internalize this idea that, well, that you were a Well, I started doing girl, girl
1: stuff. And I polished my nails once. And I went out to school with nail polish on. And my father caught me and then whipped me. Wow. All right. And then I buried it again. And then I came out to my parents when I was 11. And they threatened that me institutionalized at the state mental institute called Creedmoor. That was two miles away from our house where they used to do electroshock on mm. trans kids. So mm-hmm. I learned pretty quickly to bury this. Mm-hmm. But being my my let me just state this as a fact that from a scientific perspective, from a biological perspective, trans people, classical trans people, we can get into the what's going on these days. It's yes, a variation on that, that a little later. Right. But classical trans people are a form of intersex. And intersex simply means you're not. And anatomically and or physiologically, 100% male or 100% female. The human sexual development is extremely complex. There are the chromosomes. There are the genes in the chromosomes. There are roughly 60-plus genes that are involved in human sexual development. The default is female. To make a male, you've got all these little pieces. The dance has to happen at the right time, with the right rhythm, and all of that. And there are so many places where that can go off. Not completely off, if it goes completely off, then that fetus is miscarried. You know, 30, 40% of all pregnancies end up aborting because something serious is wrong.
0: But when you say that, you mean pregnancy from just simply a fertilized egg? I mean, there's a lot.
1: No, well, sometimes, you know, maybe six weeks in, 10 weeks in or something, there's a miscarriage. Well, most right. miscarriages happen. In the first trimester, but it's because there's some really serious problem with with this developing, right. you know, being. So, but this dance is very, very complicated. And, and you've got hormones, as you mentioned, testosterone and estrogen, but you also have hormone receptors. Hormones are signals. The signals need a receiver. If the receiver doesn't work as it doesn't work in a condition called androgen insensitivity, you've got testes, which don't descend, by the way, they're not in a the, in the scrotum, they're up in the ischial canals, up in the groin, and they pump out lots of testosterone, but that testosterone is ignored. And so that being develops completely as female, has a shortened vagina, and no ovaries, no fallopian tubes, no uterus, female sexual identity, identifies as a woman, and is usually very attractive by modern American standards.
0: Would that be Castor Semenya or whatever? I can't pronounce her last name, the the South African... No,
1: Castor Semenya, who's an example we can talk about, where the battles that are being fought now, I mean, I think we won the bathroom battle, now the battles are in high school athletics. Castor Semenya is the example of how 20 years of progress of working with national sports associations and global sports associations. I mean, we got the IOC to to go beyond, oh, it's your chromosomes kind of thing from year decades ago. Now there are rules. Trans people really can play these games. The only question that arises is, okay, what do you do with somebody like Castro Semenya, who's got probably, I've never seen her charts, so I can't say, but just looking at her, she's got congenital adrenal hyperplasia. And that is, a, one of the, is the major intersex condition where your adrenal glands, and even if you're XX, you're a female, you don't have any testes pouring out testosterone, but your adrenal glands are on hyperdrive. So from in utero through to today, she's producing more testosterone. So she has male levels of testosterone. The IOC's not happy with that. They stripped her of two Olympic medals. Is that fair? Well, you know, we set out these standards and they're trying to redefine what, you know, the level of testosterone, free circulating testosterone, should be or shouldn't be. Uh, I don't think it's fair to strip her of her medals if you're not going to strip Michael Phelps of his medals because he's got feet that look like flippers, right? I mean, this is a physical advantage he has. Why can he use his physical advantage, but she can't use her own natural-born physical advantage? Do we want to get into this right now? No, I'm just saying, but this is the battleground but, where but this yes, is going on. And yes. with kids, and with kids, and this is, I don't know if this has actually happened legally. There was a case in Connecticut. If, if a 15-year-old comes out and transitions, and then it says, I'm trans, I'm transitioning, starts living as a girl, has undergone hormone therapy for at least a year, to get those testosterone levels down, has had the male musculature melt off. It's not an easy thing to be, to have a male skeletal structure and then lose your muscle mass. It puts you at a disadvantage. But if somebody's gone through that, those standards are pretty well laid out, the odds are they're not going to have a significant advantage, which is why we don't have trans women other than Caitlyn Jenner pre-transition who are winning Olympic gold medals and such. But But, if somebody just came out and said, hi, I'm transitioning now and I want to run, you know, track with the girls, even though I'm not going to do anything hormonally for myself, I don't think that's fair. And if there's one principle I've worked by as an activist is it should be fair. It's like, remember, oh, you gay people just want special rights. Right. And we'd say, no, we just want equal rights. We only want equal rights. We want fairness. So
0: Yeah, but I think. Obviously, there's an argument here about how the body is formed in childhood, adolescence, puberty, and so on. And the the development of a male body under the influence of testosterone, just the frame is different, the musculature is different, bone. I mean, that's why we can go back in time and find skeletons and tell people whether they're male or female. It's called
1: sexual dimorphism.
0: Right. Uh, And which makes sense from reproductive strategy and evolutionary biology and so on and so forth. But it does mean that a sex 16 year old is going to, who has been biologically male for his whole life uh, and then transitions, even though the testosterone is reduced, he's going to, he, she, she is going to have, I think an unfair advantage over your average teenage girl. I think that's that seems I, to be pretty obvious. And when 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 two like I think it is in Connecticut. Uh, I, I wish I had the precise. Yeah, well, that's the the case. That's where, a, the department sudden, of education. Yeah, well, right. suddenly suddenly this team wins everything, and due to these two two girls but, who are who look like you know, or even if you look at rugby. Or UFC, well, you know, rugby I, just banned all trans women. Well, world rugby did, yeah. Uh, but it's still, I've seen, you know, read and watched and seen local rugby matches and and school, high school, and 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 not official world rugby, right. so, and in which trans uh, girls are involved. And it, you know, when they're 6'2 and, and they're tackling people, it's this, it's rugby of all things. I mean, I, I'm just trying to be sensible here. You don't want to harm people, you know to injure people. I mean, there was there was a, a wonderful story about a they were all being very pro this person who was had transitioned. Um but seriously, she was a she was called the beast. She was fucking massive. And she would deck these people in a second, these but, girls. But what about and, guys who were like that? But they it was in women's rugby. There were only other women on the mat. It was it was it was dangerous. It was actually literally physically dangerous. And the coach actually said, in a way, celebrating her uh, in, in integration. Said, "Well, it, apart from all the injuries in practice, we're fine." And she could damage people. I mean, I think there are sensible, uh, common sense. I know. I don't think there's an answer to this, Dana. I don't. I think it's. I think it's just. Uh, because well, yeah, I, I, I don't know where they would compete if not there.
1: Well, there's no other place to do it. There's no trans leagues. There's not going to be a non-binary league or anything like that. That's the problem. But, but you're, then why you're don't pointing, we have
0: co-ed leagues? Mean, we don't, well, some, because women would be outclassed Well, the there's time. some
1: women who want to play football now. I know, and, but you know, they... And, but, 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 but... but, but, but. Yeah, but you're looking, you're giving these examples that were the outliers, where the trans women were actually succeeding. The vast majority of them don't, because when that muscle mass melts away, you don't have an advantage. When I was a kid, I used to watch Will Chamberlain, you know, play against the Celtics and everything. And I thought, why do they allow him on the court?
0: You do retain an advantage. Now, there's the randomness of, you know, people having strong arms or long legs and all the other things that can give you an advantage. But there is something, there's a reason we segregate sports sexually. There's a reason. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, whatever, you know, that great Tennis match between Billie Jean King, right. and that asshole—a <laughs> uh, rather charming asshole, actually. In retrospect, um, but you know, well,
1: that was the seventies, so everything looks charming. yeah Monty Python era and
0: stuff. Oh right? God, yes, uh, um, the seventies—a gr- a grotesque era. Um, <clears throat> but nonetheless, um, I, I think I think it should be possible to figure out a compromise. Well, for, for the life of me, I can't figure it out, but I don't think. It's fair for a, a 15-year-old girl to suddenly be competing with someone who had been a, 15, a 14-year-old boy a year ago. I just, it just, just, it just
1: so what it about goes two, against common What about common two sense. years ago?
0: Uh, well, it depends on how much of that they have – You know, there are structural, skeletal, physical, yeah. physiological things right. that will give men an advantage, especially – I mean, not in all sports. There are, you know, long-distance running, for example, might be a, a one. but there are others contact sports, powerlifting. Let's say, right now, the the the, the powerlifting in America has had this question with trans women uh, who have, you know, been on the men's team transition straight away win every sing- single contest by a mile. Uh, now, powerlifting is going to be specifically advantaging. Just muscle mass and oh, explosive right. ability. Yeah, right. it's not. I mean, obviously there are skills involved, but it—that seems to me to be uh, crazy to, to 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 allow that to happen. I I understand that it's unfair to this person who wants to keep doing it, but at some point I'm like, you know, can we just give that? Can we just? Can't you just like let that one go? Can't you see that this is just impractical? Not only that, but it. It, 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 I don't think it's good. I don't think it's good publicity. I don't think it's good PR. I think it, it's you are you are where there's so much. Go- I think there is enormous amount of goodwill actually in the country towards transgender people, and, and my experience has been, generally speaking, that I'm sure there's horrible bigotry out there, and I'm sure you've dealt with it at times. But most people are a little just freaked out, maybe, or they can't wrap their heads and around it's, it. It's, it's not the same thing as hating someone. They're just a little. um you know, uh, puzzled um, and confused, and an ignorant is, is obviously yeah, no, the word. Def-
1: definitely ignorant. We don't teach this in high school. We don't teach human sexual development and biology, and, and we stuff. don't.
0: Mm-hmm. We don't have enough, to be honest with you. Transgender people like you are prepared to just sit down and talk about it in this, in a very sensible way. I mean, it becomes this incredibly fraught thing, where you're either a bigot, or you are. Uh, an ally as opposed to the vast majority of people who are kind of, I'm just weirded out, uncomfortable, don't quite know how to handle this, don't have any experience in it. Uh, and that goes, as I say, it goes for the gay world as well as the straight world. Uh, and I just think a little, a little patience, maybe and right, a little, that- a little persuasion is better than constant offense and affront and attack in a way that uh, people like me who, have these have genuine issues about the distinction between sex and gender, for example, and the question of biology and uh, culture environment. Um, all these things are at play, and even if someone like me supports absolutely everything except I have a few issues with I don't have any issues with the bathroom stuff. I think that was completely stupid. No one's, I mean, they, where, where are the incidents that this, there, <laughs> what's happened? There are like, no it, it feels like it's a solution in search of a problem. Right. Um, and generally speaking, now, if, if um, you know, trans people are being assaulted in these trans bathrooms. Trans people
1: are being assaulted in the bathrooms, but it's not trans people doing the assaulting. But you do understand, because you've studied this, that civil rights issues are generally centered in the bathroom. Back in the days of Jim Crow, remember... There was white bathrooms and colored bathrooms. And frequently, those colored bathrooms were for men and women because they didn't want to go to the expense of creating bathrooms for black men and bathrooms for black women. I ran the first bathroom bill referendum campaign in Montgomery County just up the road in 2008. Ah, oh, Good old days. So I was going to tell you before, you mentioned that people really do agree on a lot of things. At the end, the debacle that happened in 2007 with Barney Frank and all of that led to an opening on a lot of possibilities. And ever since then, when there have been polling by the American people, do you support anti-discrimination legislation to protect gay and trans people? 75% plus or minus have supported it for the last 12 years. And then when you'd ask them, well, you know, what do you think of this stuff? And they go, well, isn't this already covered? Don't we already do this? So on that fundamental thing, it was like, yeah, we don't have a problem with it, right? But in 2007, at the end of the Bush administration in Montgomery County, we got the, our own gender identity bill passed. It was the second one in Maryland. 2002, Baltimore City had done it. We did it in 2007. Because we were close to DC, the Family Research Council decided, because Peter Sprigg, who was there at the time and lived in Montgomery County, said, well, let's take this to referendum. So we had a knockdown, dragout fight. On this bill, which we won in the Maryland High Court, it was the first bathroom bill contest, but it sort of it showed them that if you center people's ignorance, concern, confusion, occasionally disgust with something new that has to do with sex, we are extremely prudish people, but also hypersexual, all this stuff gets confused in people, you can weaponize it. And they did that for, what, about a decade. That has faded, and as we were just talking, now it seems to be going to the uh, you know track and field and rugby yes, and stuff, which is a good thing because there aren't that many people out there who are doing it. It's not this fraught an issue because every trans person has to use the bathroom, you know? And it was a good thing, too, to create gender-neutral bathrooms because it allows fathers to take their daughters in. It allows caretakers to take grandma in, whatever. That's a good thing for society. Yeah, I I,
0: I never understood the problem with with the bathrooms. If you have a, if you have a stall door, um uh and if you're going to the women's bathroom and there are no urinals. Um, I mean, it seems to me actually that's when I think about it. I think the one reason to have sex segregated bathrooms is the urinal. It's just quicker and easier. I'd much mm-hmm. rather be at the men's restroom in the middle of a, a, a concert or a, a play than in the women's, just because it's a it's more of all. It's one of the one of the in, intrinsic advantages of being a male is you can take a pee very quickly. Or you
1: can just do it outside on the side of uh, the road. Yeah, I do that all the time. And women in ballparks and in theaters yeah, and yeah, stuff that's often. Much much, you know, much but different. we we swarm. The, the Dana, the
0: bathroom, but, so. but Dana, but I think uh, nonetheless. I, I'm, I'm thinking of Plato's Republic, where he talks about the gymnasium, the gymnasium right. in the in the ideal republic, which is run by these wonderful um, all-seeing uh, uh, elite of, of of knowledge, and they abolish the sexual segregation in the gymnasium. And you know, I, I've always read that passage. I'm like, he's making fun of this, isn't he? He's obviously there's irony here because as um, nature would say that humans are uh the beast with red cheeks we we're we we are uncomfortable naked uh around other naked people of a different sex i, I just in public certainly it, there's something about the intimacy of that, that 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 i don't think is entirely cultural is it i mean I, i'm just thinking if i'm getting in a you know locker room and the thing locker rooms have changed too right right. you you know the old locker room that i remember was you know open showers everybody could see everybody else now it's all Mm -hmm. these little cubicles and these curtains so everybody can can do this stuff um but um i don't think it's that terrible uh to segregate on the question of whether you have different kinds of junk Uh, and I, i i i i i i i I understand why suddenly a bunch of women who were taking a shower with someone who has a, a dick could be a little freaked out don't you isn't that isn't that just sort of well, I, nature. I, I
1: don't take penises that seriously because I spent 50 <laughs> years wanting to get rid of mine, so I never knew the attraction of it. Well, but, take it from me. But, yeah, we're kind te- of attached to them. No, I, I know you are. <laughs> Especially and, gay men. Right. And when, when you made a point in some sort of, I don't know, online conversation <laughs> with another colleague of mine that you wouldn't date a trans man because he didn't have a penis, I was like, wow, you know, he's really depriving himself of this because-
0: you know trans men can be cool too yes but 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 um when someone told me i'm really depriving myself of women because i'm only attracted to men uh, i found that homophobic Yeah, i, I get and, that and, and and this is just this is another bunch of people telling me that i shouldn't have the sexual attraction that i have and that pisses me off well, well let me let me ask you this what if you were attracted to a man And you didn't know
1: what his genitals were like. I don't think it's the first thing you ask when you meet somebody. And you fell in love with a guy who was trans and just had an enlarged clitoris, didn't have a quote-unquote penis. Would you say, I can't do this? Yes, I would. Okay, well, I get that. And I've known. (laughs) I'm sorry. But I always
0: think that that's the vast majority of gay men and of men in general. Like straight men do not want to go to bed with someone with a dick. They just don't. I mean, this is hardwired. It's not. It's not peripheral to the experience. It's integral to the experience. Now, that doesn't mean to say that we're denigrating or in any way disrespecting uh, the rights of trans people to exist. But we, I don't want to be lectured into being told that I want to have sex with someone with a vagina. I just don't. That's, that was the core element of gay liberation. And I think a lot of gay men do feel they're not saying it because they're intimidated, but they they do feel that dicks are important, maybe less for women, where women's sexuality is a little bit more fluid and sophisticated and yes, can attach yeah, to yeah. the person and, right. and sex is not but the but the male, it's it's very it's it's very okay. profound. Well, you bring... And 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 I would be pissed off if someone deceived me about that.
1: If if you well, see then that gets into a different question about deception, because if you're trans, you don't think of yourself as deceiving anybody. But if you are creating a world where that's the primary anatomical reality of somebody, not their brain, their mind, and all of that, then maybe you do have to come out and say, hi, I'm trans. I mean, we had this debate for yeah, we, decades. I take the grinder. When do you, <laughs> well, I see, know, I see, know. See,
0: look, this is gay men not being censored, not feeling they've got to put something out there in public or be PC. They're all about dicks. I'm sorry. It, 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 it's, well, it's a crucial when, part of it.
1: When I came out, in 03, and I started dating, I dated men. Every single one of those relationships went perfectly well until I came out and said, by the way, I used to live as somebody else. No penis, but I used to live as somebody else. None of those men could handle that. It wasn't the actual presence or absence of a penis. This is a problem with the lesbians, the gender crits in England and the turfs here and stuff. They don't, Not only want to date or get to know or be intimate with trans women who've gone through general reconstruction, they don't want to be involved with any woman who used to have a penis. And why can't they have that right? Well, they can have that right, but they can't then call us rapists for wanting to have a relationship well, with women.
0: That, that, well, that's an extreme version of the argument. Um,
1: no, but that's what we get. That's what TERFs do. They've called I, us rapists. I've been fighting this battle in Maryland because that's where the TERFs are located. Let's, let's not use but, that slur word. Okay. We, but these, we, can these we, are Can lesbians, we call them
0: gender critical people or something? Okay. Because, because I do think that's that's become a term of abuse and, and because – you know, women who believe that... Now, let's, let's let's talk philosophically here, then. Okay. What is the distinction in your mind between sex and gender? What is that? Because these, these are difficult questions. No, oh, uh, I,
1: I think it's pretty clear. I mean, sex is biological, and gender is everything, the manifestations of that biology. That's what I always right. thought. Gender was created as a concept back in the 50s in academia in order to isolate... The social, psychological, uh, behavioral aspects of human beings, males and females, just think of it differently. Sex was about science. It was about, again, the genes, the chromosomes, the genitals, the gonads, the secondary sexual characteristics, yeah. and the brain sex. I and one thing I want that. to point out, when, I understand you, that. when you say biologically male or female, you're not being correct because trans women are not biologically male. They had many male characteristics, possibly, or maybe not. I'm intersex. I'm intersex on several levels. actually so you say you're not 100...
0: trans, you're intersex.
1: Well, no, I think all trans people are neurologically intersex. They have brain sex from one sex, and then they have genital sex from the other sex, and that's what we call trans, by definition. But if you go and look at the literature now, and I told you research has been done now on this for 25 years, a large portion of the medical community that understands this, that studies this, recognizes that trans people are a form of intersex, not intersex as the political intersex crowd comes out. Roughly. 2.2% 2.2% of all live births are classified as classical intersex. That includes congenital adrenal hyperplasia. We're talking about castor It includes androgenous sensitivity syndrome and hundreds of other variations, XXYs and XXXYs and all of those different chromosomal variations. That's 2.2%. I mean, that's not a lot, but really? it's significant. Yes.
0: It's, it's, it's that much?
1: Yeah, it's that much. And those are- How pe- do we know that? Because people have studied this. They've looked at the record so different— people have I've been seen... doing carry no that's that's the general understanding it's that though but see those folks if they are not again androgen insensitivity is not discovered until puberty when those girls don't menstruate And then they go into a GYN, mom takes, you know, her daughter in and says, why isn't my daughter menstruating? All her friends have menstruated and they do an ultrasound and they find out she doesn't have a uterus and she doesn't have ovaries. And oh my God, there are the testicles up there. Your daughter is actually a boy. I mean, that's the Jeffrey House, you know, kind of view. Oh, she's a boy. Just get out of here. Right. But the sensitive way of looking at that is she has androgen sensitivity. She's female in every possible way, but she has no female reproductive organs because She's XY, she's got testes, and you got to remove them because if you don't, they may become cancerous. This stuff has implications, serious implications.
0: But 2.2%, it seems high to me in terms of what I've read. Not that high. Not that high. Um, No, well, you're probably
1: thinking, and this is why language matters. There used to be a term with which you're familiar because you like the classics and stuff, hermaphrodite, right? mm -hmm. Well, we don't use that anymore. That's sort of archaic, but there are cases of people who are born with what are called ambiguous genitalia. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is a much smaller percentage. That's That's one out of 2,000, all right? That's not common at all. Right, But all these other congenital adrenal hyperplasia is very common. You know, again, it fits in that 2.2% range, but those are generally women who are a little more butch? A lot of butch lesbians that probably have CAH. Nobody's ever studied that, but they look like it. There's a particular type with curly hair and you know short and yet more stocky and and all the rest that probably have some along a spectrum of increased testosterone production through their adrenal glands.
0: There's also obviously a r- variation in testosterone levels among. Cis men. Yeah, I mean, so of uh, course. Uh, 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 and But
1: if it happens early enough, it impacts your anatomy and your physiology. And that's the thing. So trans women, we think happened for genetic reasons, congenital reasons. Uh, I, I'm trans and intersex because of a toxin my mother took called DES, diethylstilbestrol, which was used beginning in 1948.
0: We can talk about that later. Really? No, 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 no. That's, that's, a, that's a very interesting thing you just said. Um, okay, well. There's uh, some other studies, for example, that came out of Scandinavia, I see, that, that found that the use of progesterone in in pregnancy seemed to lead to a higher... Uh, rate of bisexuality yes. in, in adults.
1: And that infuriated me because progesterone. <laughs> but see, we've learned from the D S. Uh, experience. Why did it
0: infuriate you? It's just a, because it's a, a scientific data, right? Or no, 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 no. What
1: infuriated me is that, all right, so we got past the miscarriage problem, right? We finally understood that miscarriage is common. Now, post-war, this is what my mother went through and a whole five million women, A husband-wife team at Harvard in the late 80s came up with a drug called diethylstilbestrol, D-E-S. It is a super estrogen, 10,000 times as potent as estradiol, which is the circulating estrogen we have. It crosses the blood-brain barrier, and it crosses the placental barrier, too. They They thought, because of thought experiments, not because of scientific research in a lab or anything, they thought that by flooding... The woman's body with this drug, once she became pregnant, they could prevent miscarriage, because the miscarriage rate post-war, in that context, was freaking out a lot of these women and their husbands who had just gotten back, they'd survived, you know, Normandy and oh, the see. Pacific, yes. and they were desperate to have families, and they wanted a drug to help alleviate this miscarriage crisis. We have since learned that, no, that's normal that these miscarriages occur. So, but from 1948 to 1971, D.E.S. was legal in the United States. 1953, they did a double-blind randomized study to see whether it prevented miscarriage. It didn't prevent miscarriage, but they kept using it, sort of the way, these are my colleagues, I'm speaking of other physicians, Would when you come in with a cold or a sore throat in the winter, oh, I'll give you an antibiotic, even though 90% of these are caused by a virus, which don't respond to antibiotics, but it makes you feel better because I'm giving you something. It would be better to give a placebo rather than an antibiotic, which leads to antibiotic resistance and all of that. But we would do that. It would make people feel better. And since it came out of Harvard,
0: it was like, "Ooh, you got to trust this out of Harvard." So you think you're trans slash intersex because of that?
1: I know. We we've actually proven it. I was part of a team huh. that proved that DES. We knew others had shown that DES causes an increase in homosexuality, male and female. But we showed that it also causes infertility and breast cancer. My mother had two breast tumors as a result of this and all that. But it also causes transsexualism. And I was born with a partial uterus. I mean, it's it's a lot more complicated than it would seem. So... That's what I was searching for when I, I had see. these feelings. And why do I feel this way? I, I can't be a girl here. I mean, I'm getting whipped by my father. I'm threatened with an institutionalization. This isn't going to work for me. Let me at least use my intellectual capacity to try to figure out what's going on. And eventually, I
0: did. You know, it's so funny because uh, some of the people who are, uh, I don't agree with on this from the from the right. If you give them the example that uh, that you were mentioning earlier, that John Colapinto wrote about, right, the, the, David Reimer, yeah, who who had a botched circumcision, don't get me started on that, but nonetheless, who did mm-hmm. that and was brought up as a girl, right. in a period where people thought that gender or sex could be is entirely you that's could John Money's, yeah, right, uh, you could you could do it because it's all external. This dude insisted. You know, well, he eventually killed himself, of course, yes. which is just awful life he had to leave, lead. But every conservative that reads that book is like, yeah, go for it. Don't, don't give up your core gender identity. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't give in to this idea that you're somehow a woman because you're not. Right. And yet when you tell the story of a trans person who's doing exactly the same thing, is saying exactly the same thing, there's no reason. Again, this is what I try and tell. There's no reason for people to lie about this. I mean, why would it's they the, lie? It's the about hardest this? It's thing crazy. to do socially
1: in the on this planet to be able to go through. It's easier today. Life is much better today than it was 50 years ago when, you know, I was going through all this stuff in the 60s. Life is much better for gay and trans people today. That's the context. That's like Obama would say, "Hey, Genghis Khan isn't knocking on the door here at DC, right? And
0: if you were a trans person, what time and place would you ever want to be born that's in the right. history? Now, but that's not what you're hearing. No, that's from like, the activists, people, right, which pe- is like we are under unprecedented assault. Right. I mean, literally, I got a, I got an email from HRC earlier this year that I just decided to just print on keepers. After gay communities under unprecedented assault from our government because of Trump, and I'm just like, have you read any history? Do you have any idea? Do you have any perspective, any understanding outside of this ideology you've kind of imbibed? I mean, the thing about you is that you're also engaged, as I think any sensible person would would be, in the science of this. But is it? But there, there maybe there are other. I mean, I think the question of homosexuality, for example, is almost certainly a mix of of some genetics some hormonal something going on there that's yeah. that's clearly but also it might be it could be affected by very early infancy and childhood i'm not i'm not implacably opposed to that possibility i think i think I read all those reparative therapists, for example, because I thought it was interesting. And because also when I look around me in my own life and look at gay men and look at our relationships with our mothers and fathers, there are some pretty strong common themes here. Now, they might be, you know, we might be uh, mistaking the the cause for the effect, as it were. But nonetheless, why not think about that? It doesn't harm anybody. It doesn't, doesn't render you less a human being, if your identity has been created by a mix of genetics and environment, in, in
1: a better world that would be true, but we're not. We don't live in that world, and it's unfortunate. Look, in the sixties, we were fighting for equality because it was the right thing to do, and but then by the late eighties, during the AIDS epidemic, it was sort of like, well. This isn't working. Well, let's try born that way, right? Then born that way worked for gay people. And it's worked for me teaching about this. people When people understand that this is scientific, that this is a medical variation, and they all, everybody has some sort of medical condition, right? You've got your nose now and stuff yeah. or whatever. And it's like everybody has something. We've all been to a doctor, or we should have been anyway at some point. And it's like, it's like if that's the case, then okay. That's but now coming so I, I would run into the in the legislature in Annapolis and I would talk about trans issues pushing the gender identity legislation and I would tell my story a little bit, this DES story, and they go, Wow, I had no idea. I'll support you now, so why don't you help me against those gays? You know, because they're just making that shut up. And it's <laughs> and it goes against the, you know, the scriptures and the Bible and all that. And I go, no, 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 no. Let's sit down and talk if you want to. But I made friends, political friends, not close friends, with people whom I normally wouldn't go anywhere near, but because my advocacy brought me into contact with them. I'm looking for allies and trying to make this. And a lot of people of my generation did the same, although they didn't have the religious background that I did, and I wish more people with religious background would go into their churches and and their mosques and stuff and work on this from within, rather than trying to impose it from without. But given that, it's my generation, accepted the fact that we would always be coming out. The kids today, the newest generation goes, why do I have to come out every single time? Why do I have to explain this?
0: There was... Is it so hard to answer that question by saying that people who are transgender are a very small minority of humankind? And it never, just simply by the factor of being a minority and being rare most people are not gonna understand.
1: Right. Who you well are. they will not have come across it. Not have come across it. it. It's
0: not because right. they hate you or that there's some massive hostility. It is because they don't know and they haven't become used to and it does inevitably threaten their sense of self because it brings up in people, Am I manner or is this arbitrary? And so similarly, you know, I, I know with lots of straight men uh, who are friends of mine or I know that they will never uh, trust me, they will never not feel, ugh, at the thought of a dick going up their butthole. It's just never going to, I mean, okay. and, and it's completely understandable. Absolutely understandable. I don't blame straight men for feeling that way at all. I honestly, and I'll say this to you, I feel the same way about vaginas. I'm sorry. I, I, that's okay. But, but, I'm but, not but, inviting but, you into mine. No. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but anyway, but, 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 but that's my point. I'm not going to call that hate. It's such a crude and awful hate. way. To, it's not hate. It's not hate, it's but, but the not, kids the kids don't want to have to. Well, keep... the kids need to grow the fuck up, as far as I'm concerned, well, yeah, and I... be be adults and recognize that there are processes in a liberal society by which you talk to people and engage people and try and persuade them. And yes, it's not fair. Was it fair for me to spend half my adult life trying to explain who I was to people? But no, but what happened was... Over the course of twenty-five years of doing that, and it it does, it does take a toll. Of course, it takes a toll. Yes, it does. I don't. I don't want to be doing that every day, uh, but I understood that unless we did that, we would not. So I'd like you. I went to. Fundamentalist churches. I went directly to Notre Dame. I went to the Republican Party. I talked to Republican senators. I, I, I went to where people didn't already agree with me because that's what we—that's how we fucking win these things. <laughs> that's right. And I feel like we had this model, and I do think that transgender people, if 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 they don't, and as you've done, if they don't mind doing something that is objectively unfair, but is also just realistic about the world it's giving people other people the benefit of the doubt letting them don't force them into a corner by telling them they're haters because they're like hold on a minute wasn't this person a guy last year and he's he's running against my daughter in the high school athletics and what the what the fuck i don't i think that's a completely legitimate reaction to that of course it is and This is my concern, Dana, that that in fact we may be in danger of going backwards on some of this stuff because people who don't need to be alienated are being alienated unnecessarily, I think, unnecessarily. Um, And I think especially when we understand better the struggle and difficulties of – the transgender experience, which I don't mean to say to problematize it or to say that there are trouble and difficulties in every life, and we don't know people's lives, and people can have completely conventional heterosexual blah 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 and be miserable and conflicted about a whole bunch of other and stuff. And we
1: know many people like that. We right? do. Maybe even our parents. Who knows? <laughs> yes.
0: A <laughs> um, case in point. But 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 uh but this is life. It's reality, and it's grown up, and and there is no need. And the other thing I want to Questioning about this is that since this movement has shifted a little bit in the last five years or so, right. and it's not just you know the LGBTQ plus 2SYAA, a whatever, how many and it's always consonants, it's never vowels. No, uh, no, no,
1: you're wrong about
0: that. You said that last week. It's, did it's I? if
1: you want the whole thing, <laughs> and I'm probably a little short, but it's LGBTQQI intersect okay. that's a vowel, A. Asexual, Asexual, right? Two spirit, which is a, a phrase. It's
0: not a you know. Well, it's it's often written as two, two
1: s. right? But that's a two. Oh, so right, we a n- oh right. We have a number of there. we have a couple of there. You <laughs> go. So it's not completely <laughs> like uh, Mr. McZillibatic kind of thing. It where sounds you like you a place
0: it. Na- it sounds like a place name in Croatia half the time. I, I,
1: well, I you know, on the Dalmatian coast, it's actually very nice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but look, what I'm getting at here is that is that um, uh, well, let me be specific. But, there's been a 5,000% increase in Britain of admissions to uh, the Tavistock Center, which is the big gender uh, transition hospital for people with uh, gender conflict, uh, gender dysphoria, let's put it that way. Um, uh, there was a huge increase in Sweden too, which apparently has now also come down about, 20 percent in the last couple of years of references no such explosion among young boys uh young the, boys who are who want to be who think who are they're girls, girls. this is primarily girls many many more infinitely more than have been in the case in the past well don't ex- infinite well okay anymore. you know i'm um, five thousand percent increase is not just a little
1: I, You you i'm not you and i have Discuss this online about is that really? I, well, I don't. You know, I don't know that that's true. Maybe there it, are. It
0: strikes me that that number, those statistics, and also the fact that people at Tavistock have been saying now increasingly, we think we've rushed too many people in their teens into decisions that would be better left for later um, when they have a little bit more, uh, or when we've explored other possibilities of their mental. For their gender dysphoria, which are other issues that could impact it, such as depression, um, autism, other aspects of mental health that people are maybe ignoring to focus in on this gender identity stuff. And we also have, for the first time really, a significant number of detransitioners, people in their early 20s, who are saying, I thought this was me, but it really wasn't. It was other issues. Is there, is it not? Wise for kids who aren't who haven't shown consistent transgender identity from a young age, who seem to be having this in early teenage years. Isn't it wise to be cautious about that, to be concerned? No one wants these people to have to go through. What are permanent alterations to their bodies? Well,
1: first off, there are very few permanent alterations. That's one of those myths. The permanent alteration for trans boys, for girls who undergo some sort of hormonal therapy is their voice drops, and we don't know how to fix that yet surgically or with the lasers. That's very complicated. Other than that, none of these are really permanent per se. But you don't want to go to genital reconstruction unless... You're sure, right? Because that, that can have be really breasts removed. Um, yeah, but you can, yeah. But that, again, nobody does that on anybody younger than 18. That's not true. Some 16, but these are kids that's who, true. well, that's the way it should be. Well, and all, I, all That the, is fine by all me. All the they, doctors I know who do this, and I've helped, you know, grow the whole gender therapist community along with many others. The surgeons I know that I've known now for 20 years, will not simply
0: just grab somebody off the street and say,
1: oh, you're trans, no, I'm going to do this. they're not. But the, they don't do that.
0: But the official policy is affirmation, period. Uh, it is not, are you sure? Or what are the other issues involved? Are, are there depra- family issues? Are they, well, teenage girls, teenage boys go through a lot. God knows, I remember having huge numbers of conflicts as a kid. Uh, and I'm not saying that these people don't even have some of these feelings, but but the... The way in which this is now regarded as a, 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 a entirely affirmation model, not an exploratory model. I mean, my view, Dana, to be honest with you, is that 18 is the, once you're old enough to vote, you're old enough to make decisions about your body. But I really have issues with teenagers who, who wouldn't be allowed to vote, changing themselves permanently if they have not been consistently translated from very early age, because it seems to me that what we call what has been called, I know you may disagree with this term, but rapid onset gender dysphoria—people who suddenly, in their teens, suddenly decide they're they're not the right sex—that's
1: that, that, a very effect, been a very effective uh, construct by the right. It, it, rapid that, onset gender dysphoria has nothing to do with the kids; it has to do with the parents recognizing that their kids are suddenly not who they thought they were. If, you, if that existed back in, the ni- in 1959 and my parents had taken me to a shrink, which they would never do because that was a greater shame than having a child who was trans, that shrink, would have, they would have said, I had no idea. I, I bore a boy and I raised a boy and suddenly he's telling me he's a girl just out of the blue. They would call that rapid onset gender dysphoria. So I think that's pretty nonsense. That was all about the parents if they had talking never, about
0: this. But, but the vast majority of trans people, right? Uh, can be shown to be trans and have had those experiences from from a very from, early from, age, childhood from childhood or childhood early onwards. or puberty
1: thereabouts. Right. It doesn't usually appear in the twenties or thirties or no, but also in the, the teenage
0: after post-puberty. Um, and obviously there have been many there's been a huge increase in the number of people and there have been many often you know, there are, there are companies out there promoting gender transition i mean physicians i mean these are not very ethical people who are pushing this stuff or they will hand planned parenthood will hand over testosterone after a couple of brief therapy sessions these are the stories that have been told to me by young women who tried who did transition and who now have qualms about it and thought that they were they were mistaken at the time and they because there was absolutely no one to put the brakes on them they now regret it now i i no one surely no one especially transgender people want people who aren't actually transgender but who might have some other issues to be taking permanent decisions in their teenage years on those questions and and surely some element of of a of patience of, of of restraint and of listening to the kid uh and again dysphoria you know these Kids are also as you as you were. They're conflicted. It it is it just it's it's an unpleasant feeling. It's 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 a it's a terrible feeling. Yeah. Um it's about
1: as fundamentally terrible as you can get because everything in the society is gendered. Yeah. We're sexually dimorphic, and you can't fit in the society unless you are, which I think to a large degree goes to the creation of the non-binary movement, which is Well, you know, gender is really just one big battleground. So the best way to deal with that would be to just get rid of gender completely. And we can get rid of sexism and misogyny, which is at the root of homophobia, too, as you know, if we just get rid of gender. That's a nice thought. You know, back in the 60s, back when I was a teenager and stuff, my friends started doing weed and some of them went to hashish and some went to psychedelics, which... You know, it's a whole new world now, but in those days, yeah. you never knew what you were getting. There were so right. many bad trips and stuff. And the same argument was, well, when you're 18, you should be able to do that stuff if you want, but it was illegal, it was 21 in those, whatever. You, This is what kids do. To me, I think a lot of this, and this is just my opinion, I don't know, nobody's ever studied this, that a lot of this is based on, well, my friends are doing this, and it's not like there's a virus out there that's infecting people. It was like, this is kind of cool. We're in college. This is how mm-hmm. we can provoke our parents. Mm-hmm. This is how we can be different. Mm-hmm. It's like getting tattoos 20 years ago, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't relate to that. And because this has to do with sex and gender, it obviously impacts me because I've been working in this field for a long time. But I don't find it, like you said, in Sweden, the numbers are dropping. Keep in mind that up until about the turn of the century, most transitioners were male to female, as we used to call it, right? There were very few trans men out there. There were a few, but most, as you said earlier, women could transition pretty easily out there in the world and get away with it without being caught. So most trans men were not public. They weren't visible. And beginning around the turn of the century, late 90s, a lot of these very butch lesbians decided to transition because they had seen the national trans movement beginning which happened in the mid-90s. And then they started bleeding off. And that really infuriated their lesbian partners, which, perfectly understandable. I mean, where's my my lover going here? And said, what do you mean you think you're a man? I mean, men are the, the enemy, et cetera, what have you. And they had that conflict. They still have that conflict in their community. But the numbers of girls showing up with gender dysphoria started to increase because they had been sort of suppressed. People have often asked me, I see so many more trans people out today. Is that because we're making more trans people or are they just more comfortable coming out? And I said, there's no way to know. First off, as a scientist, like there's no answer to that. I think it's both. I mentioned the DES thing to you. I mean, again, that wasn't banned until 1971. So a lot of people were exposed to this. But DES is just one type of endocrine disruptor. We pour a hundred million metric tons of chemicals into our environment. We have no clue what they do because.
0: But a thirty percent increase in number of people, I mean, when you, I think there are some Ivy League colleges where like thirty to forty percent now identify as non-binary. I know.
1: I mean, to me, that's a political act. That's not you're not bar, born non-binary because you're not born with a gender, right? You're born with a sex. Your parents assign a gender to you as you get older, between three and four. It either fits or it doesn't. You then start maybe if you're at the point six percent that are trans you begin to think oh whatever we talked about intersex before intersex people identify as male or female there's no there's no one-to-one map between an intersex person and a non-binary person which some people claim it exists out there but that that's not scientifically based so the term yeah.
0: i came up with because binary binary can sound a little exclusionary um even though in fact, without the binary, none of this makes sense, it seems to me. Without two poles, the, the variations on that core theme don't make any sense if you remove the theme. Right. Right. I mean, right. That's, that's, that's like— It's right. like,
1: well, you can't be gay if there's no straight. sex and gender, right? Yes. You can't be straight. All but, those but, but, things fall yeah. apart. But then again, you can't be sexist but and homophobic the f- if there's no male and female.
0: Right. Uh, and—
1: So that's a utopia. We should all— I don't want for- don't, be- I don't, <laughs> don't want to I don't want to live in utopia I like
0: reality I, I'm, I I think the goal of life is to become, is to become reconciled to reality and to make the best of it I don't believe in living in these phony utopias in your head let alone trying to force the entire world to conform to them this and is- let me let me I want to I want to I want to just get to some of the courts look gay people and trans people very different experiences by the way i yeah. mean maybe we'll talk about whether this well L- trans
1: people have gay experiences too you know we have been supporting you for a very long time most of my work was on marriage equality and stuff not on trans liberation because that's where the majority of the lgbt community was right so yeah we all gay people are not cis necessarily and all trans people are not straight no, you are two know, different experiences two independent independent experiences.
0: variables that right. have been conflated it seems because to me politically there's... we need to work yes. together because
1: we need numbers sure I get
0: that. I get that. I get the alliance. What I worry about is the conflation. Yes, and that's a problem. So that someone calls me an LGBT person. And I'm like, first of all, no individual can be LGBT. (laughs) You're a
1: member of the LGBT community because you're a G. That's all.
0: Well, I don't even know whether such a thing really exists, to be honest with you, in real life. There there is a political coalition. Yes. But in fact, lesbians and gay men are not that socially integrated, if we're being completely (laughs) honest about it. They're incredibly separate. And also trans people are very rare. The vast majority of gay people never meet one. Well, we're one eighth
1: -eighth the size. We are only 8% of the LGBT community.
0: Like it's, a, it's a very small yeah uh, it always
1: is and it's blown yeah. out of proportion and it's like oh the trans tipping point and this and that yeah but it might be but, better
0: not pro- if if we were not also told that it was trans women of color that gave a Stonewall that that, 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 that when these- well, that
1: that's historical revisionism <laughs> and I can understand why people who are really oppressed and whose lives are threatened and who die at the rate of twenty five to thirty a year and nobody's doing anything about it would want to revise history a little bit to make them to uplift themselves all
0: right well I just don't believe lying i think it's a good well no it's I, good, I don't think it's a good principle not to make things up but also it's look also i was a, there
1: on june 29th of 1969 okay i've been at stone i was at stonewall I've you were li- you were at the stonewall was Inn at, the night it, i wasn't I'd at it the inn i was on the street up the block but really? i was on 7th Avenue. yes i well, was what on were you a doing gate, there i was taking my girlfriend who became the mother of my two children out to the village vanguard that night wow And we got caught up in what was then called the riot because the media didn't cover this, right? The the newspapers didn't cover it till Monday. So we had no idea that something was going on downtown. So we just went anyway because we had tickets and we went. And so I got caught up in that. So my memory of what that looked like was... Unfortunately, very much like that lousy movie that was made about it. It's a bunch of twinks from Nebraska <laughs> that are out in the street, right? And but that's you, true. What yeah, I mean, no, I know. the if truth you,
0: is, they're all a bunch of young white gay guys. If
1: you look at the photos, There are some black kids there, too, and there are some Hispanic kids who would come downtown from East Harlem or Harlem or whatever and be part of that, but they were few and far between. And the thing is, Sylvia wasn't there. Marsha came later. Marsha testified that she called Sylvia. Sylvia came down when the fighting was over. The you know All these things, but people feel they need heroes and they want to elevate people. I I would not want to be lied to, but I'm different. Look, my generation, transition not to become trans. We weren't interested in a third gender or a third sex or anything like that. We wanted to be in the world authentically. As women or as men. Right. This is who we, this is the whole point of it. I had a life that was far more than my sex. Yeah. And so I was a scientist and a physician and a surgeon and a parent and all of these things. And this sexual thing this difference this dysphoria what i then coined gender incongruence that was written into the dsm 4 dsm from dsm 4 to dsm 5 i wrote that i was the lead trans writer of the uh, washington psychiatric association that wrote that and the dsm was something that overdetermined my life was always present it never left my mind i had to compartmentalize that out and focus on all the other stuff i needed to do to have a life in the world but ultimately my goal and that of all my friends from that generation was to become part of the world as who we truly were.
0: Yeah. It wasn't
1: to become trans and to become part. It's great now that you transition and you don't have to go looking for friends or a community or a safe space or anything like that. But if you leave it there, that's a problem. So I'm going to be on a panel on what's today, the 15th or 16th panel is, uh, I believe, Wednesday or Thurs Thursday. Uh, run by the Maryland LGBT Chamber of Commerce? How do we get more trans people into business, into the professional world? And I think that's a good thing, especially post-Bostock, where we have our rights. Nobody can discrimin- discriminate against us legally in employment. We need to find ways to get these kids out of their bubble of you know queerness or whatever and get out into the real world. Isn't that what it's supposed to be all about?
0: Yeah, right? my my view was... I didn't want to. I didn't want to be gay. I just wanted to be myself, and I wanted to be integrated and have as many opportunities as anybody else. And the truth is, I have been able to do that. I understand that I have certain uh, I, there are advantages. I'm not going to call it privileges because I, I, I find that yeah, word, I don't like, I don't like it, that either. It, it sounds like I'm an aristocrat, and I was yeah. like, not.
1: If somebody gives you an award, it's a
0: privilege to get the award. Yeah, it's no, it's like an, it's an That's advantage, a... uh, and to some extent, you know, I think this is a completion. There is simply a distinction between being a small minority living in a society, which is obviously going to be mostly determined and have its meaning from the overwhelming majority. Just, right. I mean, that's just simply reality. Okay? It, it seems to me that in some ways gay people, trans people, the outliers, the people who are variations on the theme, uh, do not deny the theme. They supplement it. It it, it the,
1: the it's a we're part of the harmonic range yes right? but it just we're, but we're not we're not we're not the we're primary not the, melody no line. we're not
0: I mean no. it's just, it's okay it's okay <laughs> that we're not and it's okay also that we're gonna always make people uncomfortable to some extent depending upon the context not everybody but some people okay and accepting that and living your life. Without fear, and certainly not living your life. This is my main issue with the current phrase. It's like you're living your life around the thoughts and feelings of other people. Fuck those people. Live your own life. They will deal with it. Ignore Unless they're doing something to you, in which, fuck them back. But no, otherwise, stop being fixated by your enemies. They, they, they really will dominate your psyche. They will not, be, they will not make you happy. Um, it's hard. I'm not denying it's hard but it's that's different being a minor a small minority a variation on the theme is different than pure oppression and difference does not mean necessarily oppression especially in one's own head Yes, look, I fought for years for basic civil rights for us, and and I'm thrilled about Bostock, not so thrilled about the Equality Act, but we can get. I know. That's that's Um, you're
1: worried about the religious exemptions. I I checked. I checked on that for you because I knew you were concerned about that. There's only one paragraph in there about not applying RFRA to the Equality Act. it's a pretty big exception. Well, but, but that doesn't mean there are ministerial exemptions and all of that. And I, to give you-
0: It's the narrowest all right, conceivable you, you went, extent of religious but, freedom. But here's the reality. I went, you
1: mentioned the Kennedy School. So I spent time at the Kennedy School. I took a class by, led by Martha Minow, who was a law professor at Harvard. And she talked about the fundamental conflict of American principles between equality and liberty. This is in the Declaration, right? This is at the top of the Declaration. Those are the two foundational principles. Danielle Allen has written about this beautifully as well, in a a more philosophical sense. Martha talked about the specifics of where the fight for LGBT equality is bumped up against the fight for religious freedom. And this is why I said to you before, I wish more trans people of faith would work within their faith communities to sort of mitigate this. There shouldn't be a conflict, but there is. And so you have to deal with it. That conflict will always be with us. It's not a bug. It's a feature of the Constitution, right? That's the Bill of Rights. It's number one and the Declaration. You're not going to fix that. So we're always going to have these conflicts. But if it's only a conflict over a bakery or a florist or a photographer— I mean, to me, that was always very silly. If I were getting married, I wouldn't want to go to a baker who didn't want to write, congratulations, you know, Dana and Susan or whatever. Then again, if I were a baker, I wouldn't have to want to inscribe Heil Hitler on a cake. So this, you know, it's not hard to put yourself in somebody else's position on that. But as a physician, I I think a Catholic hospital doesn't have to have a termination of pregnancy suite. I don't think they have to have a gender reassignment clinic. But they damn well better treat any gay or trans person who gets brought into the ER, you know, with a heart attack or absolute, a diabetic coma or something like really. that. And that's where we run into real problems I, because, you know, groups, they get a little bit hobby lobby or whatever, and they, they want to keep going for more. And it's that hubris that brings people down eventually. That's sort of the, the built
0: in control but the governor am, of all of this. I understand that. I, our positions are identical in that respect. I don't want to be in a position ever of forcing someone to do something that violates their conscience, even though I might find their conscience repellent. And and within certain Right, Unless, Obviously unless, unless she's
1: a clerk giving out marriage certificates. Well, then she's
0: she's a she's a representative of the public, and that's the law, and that's her job. Right. Period. And
1: there are people where they saying, "Well, I'm a doctor. I have a conscience. I shouldn't have to do this." No, you took an oath to well, treat they, everybody. They don't have to.
0: Do to com, they don't have to perform an abortion. Well, they're not trained they have, to perform an no, abortion no, no, my, anyway. Yeah. Right. They're no, not trained to do general I reconstruction. That's, I don't know how widespread uh, people coming into the ER. Who are gay suddenly said, Well, we're not going to t- you. You're gay. I, I'm, I'm just. It's not very much. But as I
1: said earlier, there's very little tension. These, these issues, when they do happen, are really blown out of proportion. You are. remember the one when there was a, they created, I think it was a gender neutral dorm at Duke, and the grandfather of one kid there was really upset that there was a trans person on the dorm, and then they went to court and did this and that. This is what happens. I, I've done trainings for corporations. Sometimes they're proactive. Oh, we have a, an employee here who's going to be transitioning. Would you mind coming in and talking to, you know, the staff and stuff? And I go, great. This is the way it should be done. Why don't we talk about this before somebody comes out and wants to feel at home and you're, you're not ready for it and you make them uncomfortable? Occasionally, there's one employee somewhere who doesn't want a trans woman in the woman's bathroom. And she throws the entire company out of whack. But it's important to recognize, even though that's annoying, that's just one person. Right. There may be 500 people in that business and only one person is upset.
0: And the trouble with our era of social media and all this stuff is that is that our ability to get perspective becomes incredibly restrained because tiny incidents become massive Because you know
1: about it. If somebody's there bitching behind her desk and everything and you don't see it and you don't see it and she's not out there on Facebook or Twitter complaining about it, you don't know. And that's one of the things you're better off not knowing because not everybody is perfect. We're not going to convince everybody like you said. Also, by the way,
0: to invoke a religious reason to not treat a gay person who's just walked into the hospital with whatever he, he or she has. Is an absolute violation of Christianity in any understanding of it. Yeah, but Completely. haven't we seen plenty of that the last well, four years? Well, yes, of years, course. Right? But it's, it's like... it, so what I mean is that if, if, if in that gay baker case, if the baker had been more Christian, and the gay people had been more liberal, right, none of this would have happened. That's you could right. just, you could, we can live together if we, if we keep things in proportion and perspective. That's why I, I really feel that the the idea that the transgender man wants to abolish sex wants to but, but see, that's re- wrong. Remove, remove, I'm just saying this is, a, this is certainly it, a conception that people have. Right. And, and that's some and of I, the rhetoric definitely. And fements. I try to
1: fight back on that because that's, see, that's where the, the conflation of sex and gender is really problematic. Yes. Now, there are non-binary people and I've talked to them and I've said, OK, you're non-binary. That's your gender, right? Yeah. OK, what's your sex? You can talk to me. We're colleagues here. I'm not going to talk about it. What do you mean you're not going to talk about it? I'm just not going to talk about it. I go, okay, let's do a thought experiment. I'm your doctor. I'm not in practice anymore, but let's say you're my doctor. I'm your doctor. You come in. you do the intake form, there's gender and you do non-binary, fine. Then there's sex. I need to know what your sex is because medicine is based on sex, right? This is really important to come up with the
0: statistics and all that stuff
1: we haven't cared enough about women but, to but, get
0: the... But they believe that medicine itself is a construct of white supremacy and of...
1: Yeah, well, that's the extreme. It's sort of, but I've seen you that it's the extreme, math and science is a construct of white supremacy. Yeah, I know you're worried about it and you should be worried about it. And you guys, <laughs> you and Yasha Monk and Thomas Chatterton Williams, you know, write <laughs> beautifully about this. And we have to make sure it doesn't go crazy. And people are going to fight back and prevent well, thank that from you, happening. Thank you. I, I don't think that's going to be a problem. But because there I isn't, do. There isn't a white problem. science and white math and all that ridiculousness, but it's out there. I understand that there is. So going but back, that can, can get in the way it can get in the way of There's actually no
0: explaining but why transgender people deserve our love, support and protection. That's right.
1: And the problem is, and this gets me into trouble when I bring it up. And this is certainly going to get me into trouble. Non-binary is not trans. You can't, you, you can't look. We were talking about numbers for politics, right? We, you know, sort of glommed on to the LGB community because we were alone out there and it's 0.6% of the population. Nobody was paying any attention to us. We needed to hitch our caboose to the, to the gay train, right? Now, I became, the, <laughs> I became the chair of Freedom to Work in 2012. By that time, trans people had won all federal appeals court decisions in the 20th century, but one. And then Feldblum at the EEOC, the lesbian Georgetown law professor appointed by President Obama, had come down with the Macy decision, which protected trans people in all 50 states and all territories. Our community, our HRC task force and all that, refused to accept that. They go, until we have a Supreme Court decision, that doesn't count. And I said, if you act like it counts, if you fake it till you make it, And it does count because lots of businesses are not going to want to go up against the EEOC and end up in court and probably lose. You're going to have your rights. I fought the community over the last eight years for this. We actually, with Freedom to Work, got people settlements because we showed their employers, you're on the wrong side of the law. Right. But the community as a whole didn't want to buy into that. And I coined the phrase then, no gays left behind. Because there hadn't been a single gay victory in a federal appeals court until three years after the Macy decision when Chai wrote the Baldwin decision. That was the first gay rights victory. Two years later, Lambda won the victory in the Seventh Circuit. Then that became the pivot to get to Bostock because... The Supreme Court doesn't take cases unless there is a conflict between circuits. Right. So you had Zarda versus Bostock. We're going to take that. Well, we might as well, I, I don't know this, I can't read you know, Gorsuch's mind, but we might as well pick up and throw the trans case in here because every court has been along on this and it is all because of sex. These two things go together. It's obvious. It took us 25 years to make it obvious. But with Chai's help, and Lambda, and the ACLU, and all that stuff, they made it obvious to people like Gorsuch. And we won that, and it was an overwhelming victory. But it took a lot of time, and the community really wasn't on board with that. And I think that was because of the rise of queer theory, and let's do away with gender, and let's do away with sex. One of the attorneys working for the ACLU, who did a pretty decent job on that case, does on his Twitter handle talk about, I don't believe in sex. And I'm thinking, I'm going, oh, my God. I mean, really? This is a phenomenon. This is part, I don't know, this a successor ideology, whatever you want to call it. But it's, it's queer theory on steroids that sex doesn't exist. And these folks, when I said, I need as your physician to know what your sex is, they go, no, I'm not going to tell you that. But I will tell you, I'll give you an organ inventory. So I'll tell you that I have a uterus and ovaries, and then you can infer from that what my sex is, but I don't want to say it. I don't know where that comes from. I don't know why that has sort of become... uh reified you know it's one thing Mm -hmm. to talk about in academia that you know this is this is sex and this is gender and yeah sex is a social construct too because humans you know have to categorize stuff but sex is also real you know we're getting now into the realm of quantum mechanics and metaphysics and all that
0: it's philosophical if either it's 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 a whole different philosophical take of the world um what i which i think is worth i'm i've read my fucking Foucault as well. Mm-hmm. I had to go through read Adorno and Horkheimer and all these people back in grad school and since. And apart from them being, I think, vastly overrated, I think they are also just just wrong. Um, but uh, you gained something from doing it. I mean, yes, all of these Yes, and I certainly think they should be taught. Structuralism, deconstruction, but, but when it becomes, feminist theory, Marxist theory, becomes a, all. When it becomes an omnipresent orthodoxy, which yeah. then, if you disagree with the orthodoxy, you're a bigot. As opposed to, no, I philosophically disagree with your understanding of how society works. Right. I actually do think the science is measuring something real. I do think there is such a thing as sex. I'm aware that gender is incredibly diverse and interesting and human constructive thing, but I also think there are hormones and chromosomes and, and bodies and functions and all the rest of it. And 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 so do most normies. So do most human beings. They they can't grapple 99% with. 99% of humanity
1: would probably be very upset if suddenly. The UN decided that
0: sex and gender no longer exist. And if I mean, this is seven not, million sex, years of hominid if evolution, sex, this If, if gonna, sex does not exist, I don't exist as a gay man. Right, that's definitely. I, true. I can't, and so there my is my definition. An, yes, it's yes. an inherent contradiction that you can't. You we have to grapple with. We have to debate it. We should be able to debate this in There's, a way that but, is completely legitimate. That doesn't require someone like me being literally hounded out of. of, 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 of peep, 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 Described in ways that are simply unrecognizable to me. Um, uh, But we don't
1: have we don't have convenings ever since Obergefell. The LGBT community hasn't sat around and talked about any of this. And in that period of time, the trans community has basically been taken over by the non-binary community because it's the more it experience, and this is what the kids are doing, and they're pushing this. And we've never discussed it. And you know i explain what trans is to you non-binary is not trans but you also and know so
0: that the the, the the debate the idea that there is a, a complete unanimity in the lgbt no community, there never has been no of course either. not and uh it distorts people's understanding of who we are i mean my feeling is and uh and i i want to fight back against it there's and i think the only way to do that is to have a debate but I think they're trying to construct the situation where by having that debate renders you a bigot and, a, a, and to be ostracized. Because if you raise any question, you're transphobic.
1: But I think if we had enough, if we had more debates per
0: se, I don't know why. Well, that's why I'm, I'm happy to have this conversation. No, I'd like to have it really no, we are, We're not really fighting. we're talking. We're thinking out loud, which is the whole point of a democracy. Why
1: doesn't anybody want to challenge J.K. Rowling?
0: What why are trans people afraid of that?
1: Nobody wants that they do on Twitter, but why, does, why isn't there a debate?
0: Well, why doesn't someone engage J.K. Rowling on the question yeah. of the distinction between biological sex and gender and some of the issues that were involved here? She's, she's, I mean, here's what I would I say. I mean, she's no expert on this. She's just somebody no, but who's she's famous. She's so stuff out there, right? right, but right she, so, I mean, she does so for reasons that in her relative make makes sense to me. At least it's completely coherent from her point of view. Does she hate trans people? No, I just don't see that at all. Hate is such a crude and ugly word. She may think there are conflicts here that haven't been fully ironed out. But the idea that she's some theocratic bigot just strikes me as bizarre. The fact that she has to be that people want to burn her book. uh, I mean, this stuff is bonkers.
1: Well, uh, when I one of my favorite poets growing up was T.S. Eliot. When I discovered that he was a pretty rabid anti-semite, I wanted to burn his books too, but I sort of grew out of that and realized that, you know, People are complicated, and, I thought, and it was I felt Ezra that way Pound. When I Found out he was
0: an Episcopalian, <laughs>
1: <laughs> right? See, we all have these. We're all intersectional beings, right? We of all have we multiple are. identities. But the right wing, which is the grievance culture, yeah, it happens on the left, but the right wing is all grievance all the time. They decide, well, we're going to redefine. We'll get Frank Luntz, and we'll redefine intersectionality, and we'll throw it right back at those multiculturalists and stuff like that. Well, the sexuality games.
0: Those are language but games. But it's a
1: problem sex and gender. Yes. That, those are language. People need to understand you can't say, you can't use biological male as a euphemism for a trans woman who's had genital reconstruction. You I, can't even use it for a trans woman who hasn't had genital reconstruction. She's intersex, she's got a female brain. Brain sex, not a female brain. You can, that gets complicated too, because people will argue that the brain per se is not as sexually dimorphic as it seems, and it isn't when we're talking about cognitive abilities and visuospatial processing and stuff like that. But you know, whether you're male or female, that's the sexual dimorphism. Right. And we need to accept that, and then go, yeah. And then with the rest of the stuff, we're more alike than different. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know why we can't do that, except that I see the younger generation wanting to erase, you know, like you're saying, you're being you don't want to be erased as a gay man. I don't want to be erased as a trans woman. But the whole we're not going to have sex and gender erases me as a trans woman. My entire life's work sort of dissipates. I understand the the philosophical rationale for doing it. Thank you for trying to be helpful, but you're really not. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like and there are a lot of trans women who feel the same way but we don't talk about it because I know, it's, there's no leadership well, anymore. we need, that's the we there's need, no leadership.
0: we need some trans people to say not all of us buy this stuff you know you're you're because in some ways i think a lot of trans people are being their their views are being misrepresented and distorted there's also diversity in that of course Obviously, there there's is a huge diversity oh of, you
1: don't know the battles we used to have between classic transsexuals and then transgender because we switched from transsexual to transgender to get rid of the sex. Just the way you guys got rid of homosexual, because when people thought of homosexuals, it was all about sex acts. Right, that's all they ever saw you as. They didn't see you as human beings, and so you went to gay. And then we had transgender, but gender, that hard G, maybe we should do it like the gay folks and just cut it down to trans. And then the kids came out and said, why don't we put an asterisk there because it doesn't include everybody. Well, yes, it does include everybody because it's this huge umbrella includes drag queens and drag kings that they want to be, et cetera. And now the umbrella has gotten so wide, it's in tatters and people who were classic transsexuals or whatever feel like this doesn't represent me anymore because the narrative
0: has changed. And a lot of gay men feel that way too. To and I honest. feel for
1: them and a lot of them are my friends and I feel really bad that being a gay white man today is, you know, your intersectionality is working against you. You're gay <laughs> and you're white and you're a man, right? We're in we're in me too and we have all these things everything seems to be coming down on them yet they are the ones for the most part, not completely but for the most part created the movement that got us to where we are
0: yeah, today. Yeah, and me. are still funding it, by and large. I mean, that's another factor.
1: Uh, yeah, although there isn't much that's being done anymore except on the legal. Except,
0: there, sure. and this is the other thing, why can we never accept yes for an answer? I mean— did, Yeah, they, some
1: people it, can't do that. That's the
0: problem. They're, they're attached in some ways.
1: Well, that's grievance culture, right? Yeah. You, you have to be a victim to some degree in order to get your—and be empowered by it. I mean, I've seen that my entire life since the seventies. Why not be
0: empowered it. by your own power? Why not be empowered by your own life and 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 accomplishments and friends and network? I mean, I just find the idea that there is going to be power in victimhood to be a delusion. You know, that's the
1: Foucaultian thing. I and know. That's well, I couldn't. The, that's what's at work. With. I know, and wow. I just,
0: I just, I. I I I I can see Foucault's points occasionally. I don't think they're completely bonkers, um, but he's wrong generally. Um, and not only that, but it makes politics, liberal politics, which is the art of dialogue, persuasion, argument, uh, evidence—these right. things that we have discussed today—which, right. in fact, I think, if you actually lay that out, there's an incredibly strong case here. It's why yeah. we won the gay rights issue because right. we we just you tell the truth, you, you people will respond. And that's the other thing, you know, in 25 years, we've seen, we've seen a third of the country change its mind. Now that's a, that's an amazing thing.
1: I don't remember Bayard Rustin said 20% are never going to be with you. Mm-hmm. 20% are with you already. You got to go for the movable middle. And I think it's more like 30%, 30%. So the movable middle is smaller, but yeah, that's, I said that earlier. I mean, this is the last 50 years. I I was five years old when Frank Kameny picked up that. Pickett marched in front of the White House. Now, I don't remember that at all, but I was there, you know, at Stonewall one. And it was like By accident. Wow, by accident. <laughs> but you know, and I know a bunch of other people who were there by other closeted gay men who were yeah, there by yeah, accident yeah. with their girlfriends.
0: Right. This
1: was the late 60s. So we didn't talk about this stuff. You if you were gonna be gay or trans and live that life a little bit, you were in the speakeasies down in the basement, closeted and all of that stuff. So but I was there. And then the next year, you know, they had the first gay pride parade and everything. Oh, yeah, we were. This is what I wanted to bring up. So that the gay rights movement was run by gay white men for at least a decade. And then AIDS hit. And so then the women started taking over. But it was gay white men. The fact that Sylvia and Marsha were not leaders, was not really because they were trans, it was because they were women. The women were booted off the stand, they weren't part of the discussions and everything. And the philosophy that came out of the 70s about trans women was very clear, and it's very much the Iranian philosophy about homosexuality, which you're aware of. It's that trans women are simply extremely gay men who can't accept their homosexuality and are willing to go through genital reconstruction and transition to another gender just to be penetrated by a penis. This became the operative philosophy of the gay movement against trans people beginning in the 70s. And mm. I know the guy who created that. His name was Jim Farad. Oh,
0: well, I remember him too.
1: You remember him, right? I had met him once or twice. And, but I met him again in 2015 at a 50th anniversary uh, anti Vietnam War uh, symposium. And we marched to the King Memorial. And I saw him out there, and I walked up to him, and I said, Hi, Jim, you probably don't remember me because I didn't look anything like this the last time we met, but I have had to deal with your philosophy about who trans women are now for 50 years, 40 years, since the mid-'70s. I'd like to talk about it with you. And he goes, Yeah, I I am really sorry. And he explained to me that the reason he did that is because He was suffering his own oppression within the gay male community because he was a bottom. He was a femme. And he was ashamed of that because he was marginalized and he wasn't, you know, the only way he can make a name for himself was to dump on some group that was even more marginalized than he was. And yeah. he apologized to me. And I go, you know, it's 2015, it's kind of late for that, but I'll take it. Well, the world we has always take it. We it's always like, take it. You know, there's much more satisfaction out of converting somebody who's not on your side than just going along with somebody who is. And back in 2007, when, when Barney you know, basically cut the trans community out of EndA because he didn't have the votes to pass it, you know, the following year, we had our first hearing. It was in a Rob Andrews subcommittee. And Barney and Tammy, who was the only other you know, gay person in Congress at the time were sitting at the table and Tammy got up and she went first, ladies first, and she explained, you know, this is the right thing to do, et cetera, the, the kind of language that we have been speaking for a long time. And then Barney said, okay. He looked around at his colleagues and he goes, you guys know me. You know that when I came out 20 years ago, not by my own volition either, but when I was out 20 years ago, you all looked at me and you thought, man, that's weird. Because you didn't know anybody like me then. Now you've gotten to know me and we sort of get along. I may still be weird, but not in the same manner. And he turns around and he looks at all of us trans people sitting in the back and he goes, I know what you're thinking. And you're looking at them and going, Jam, they're weird. Well, what is this trans thing? But guess what? You'll learn to get along with them just the way you learn to get along with me. My colleagues, many of them were infuriated by that. Now that's Barney. That's the way Barney interacts with people. That's the way he lobbies and advocates. Tammy did it the typical, nice, Midwestern way. This is, yeah, this is the right thing to do. These are wonderful people and everything. And Barney goes, you thought I was weird. You got over that. You think they're weird. That's the reality. You do think they're weird. You'll get over that, too. Yeah. You're right. I enjoyed lobbying Republicans more than I enjoyed yeah. lobbying Democrats because the Republicans didn't have a clue. They go, oh, I've never met a trans person before. Why don't we sit down? And we would often bring somebody in from their congressional district, right? Went to the same high school oh, did you know so-and-so back before she transitioned? There's that,
0: there's that wonderful story when Bush had his Yale Yes, with his Yale, class,
1: Yale law classmate, and it was like, oh, yeah,
0: you look very happy, right? Yeah, he said, um, he, as I recall, he said, well, he's, the, the person said, well, you might remember me right. as this, and I look very different. He said, well, I'm glad you've come here as your real self.
1: Right, you look very happy, and right? It yeah. was
0: beautiful. I mean, he's a, he's a decent person. Right, uh, he's a civilized person. I think,
1: except that he hired Ken Melman to well, go ahead course. and pass eleven, you know, state constitutional amendments and stuff. I know, and it's like, I know, yeah, and I so know. Dick Cheney had a gay daughter, right? I know. And where did that
0: leave leave us, right? I, I don't know. Cheney was never that bad.
1: People are really complicated, and unfortunately, they don't often elevate to the primary concern, the issues that matter to any other given individual. Let's... And so you get, you know, it's like it's, I guess you could say, guys, it's not all about you, right? It, it's, it's not. Really, everything about politics and everything, it's not just about you. One of the things that I've liked about this past year or so has been getting to know better than never Trumpers. Mm-hmm. you know all of a sudden bill crystal's a liberal feminist i mean wow this is well, some of
0: them have, i mean on my issue with them is <laughs> you're gonna be never trump without giving in to the left on everything for christ's sake that's right i mean my my feeling they've, they some of them have gone too far but well, um, I'm,
1: I'm willing to listen to them so like kevin williamson has insulted me personally by name and i've never interacted with him david french is pretty transphobic too but he said a lot of reasonable patriotic things in the past six months or so so i'm going Okay, maybe well, I could do you think talk to him. He's transphobic. He's made that... he's made comments with a nasty edge. I yeah. mean, there's a way of debating
0: it's so without calling me.
1: somebody out, to using the look. Remember, you tried to get me on Bill Maher. Yeah, right. It, that was after uh, Janet Mock, who generally does a pretty good job representing the trans community, did I thought a pretty lousy job. You know, so Bill asked her. You know, well, what is this LGBTQ and stuff like that and. To, LGBT community. She goes, well, it's not the LGBT community; it's the LGBTQIA, et cetera. And I go, oh, my God, you know, you have like five minutes here to explain this to America. Don't go down that rabbit hole and stuff. And I just wanted to have an opportunity to say to him over maybe five minutes what I've been saying to you over an hour and a half or whatever, and to try to pierce his. Uh, his desire for Caitlyn Jenner, because that's a thing. That's still an ongoing thing. He did it last week also. It's like, why are you so obsessed with Caitlyn? But Caitlyn, for all her faults, and she's got plenty politically, she really created change in this country because everybody of a certain age knew who Bruce Jenner was. And that, yeah, there are people out there who are misgendering her and all that, but that made a huge difference because, you know, we did polling, but like 90% of Americans know a gay person now. I think it's 35% of Americans know a trans person or know of a trans person in their lives. But Kate, they go, they know what trans is in a vague sense. They don't understand sex versus gender, but they know it because, oh, that's Caitlyn Jenner. And because Caitlyn Jenner was a hero on the Wheaties box. Of course. That, that really does matter,
0: doesn't? it? The great and enduring star of "Can't Stop the Music" with the Village People. Oh,
1: <laughs> well, the Village People! I mean, they're going to be writing, you know, if you, dissertations way, this is, this about this as if, the
0: if, Trump theme song. If, forever. Yes. if you, if you really want a, an evening of amazing enjoyment watch can't stop the music with steve guttenberg bruce jenner with a cut off shirt where he has a he's happy trail he was so beautiful and he was you know he's such this unbelievable icon of masculinity that's what that's what makes it so but of course he's now become this like parody of sort of 1950s femininity which is which makes me a little uh, but
1: but you know But look, it's all right. It's okay,
0: the right. world's big enough for Bruce I, I can, and Jenner. I
1: can relate to Caitlyn because we grew up, we're the same age. Right. We grew up at the same time in the same environment and what she went through with her gender dysphoria and confusion back in the fifties and the sixties was similar to mine. Yeah. And I remember looking at her up on that podium when she got the gold medal and there was pain there. Now, I had no idea she was like me, but there was pain. That was not a happy person. The yeah. that, you know, competing in the decathlon could wear you out. I don't know how happy you could look thereafter, but and now looking back at it, I go, yeah, there's something. But we grew up in a different culture, right? And I have to say, when, when I transitioned and finished in, in 03, I have a cousin, a female cousin, who I met in San Francisco where I had had my surgery, and she she took me out to lunch and she said, you know, this is the best time ever to be a woman. You're very fortunate that you're doing this now. And she was right. And I could say now this is the best time to be trans, not Everybody, right? Forty percent of LGBT homeless of homeless people are LGBT kids. If you get kicked out of your home, you don't get an education. You end up doing sex work. You're on the streets. You get beaten up. I mean, this is horrendous, and it hasn't changed. Friday is the Trans Day of Remembrance. It's still twenty five to thirty black trans women in this country, and hundreds in Brazil, by the way, who are murdered every year, and nobody's doing anything about it. It's the biggest problem. The community but they're
0: being murdered. Mainly by their johns in dangerous circumstances, or, or boyfriends, or yes, like that this is a. There is a, a sense that that the, the way this again has been portrayed is that some people are just transphobes wandering around killing people. That's no, not what. That's happens. not what's happening. It, the, the issue is why are they in such a vulnerable situation in the first right. place? If that's, we can get them out the of
1: issue. that, then this would not be a problem. But again,
0: these are this is what I would. Like, this is why I'm. De- this is why, and I'll wrap this up now. This is why I'm delighted to talk to you, data because. You know, there are so many, th- these issues are debated in terms of rigid orthodoxies and abstract arguments and lack of perspective. And in general, the truth is more human, it's more individualistic, it's more on the ground. Uh, most people, I think, of good faith, and I, I still have that. Look, my experience in the gay rights movement. Should make one very confident about Americans' ability to change their minds and to be open-minded and to move, and to, when it's appropriate. And I remain enthusiastic. What I worry about is people um, being unable to take yes for an answer, pressing this further than it needs to be pressed, <laughs> undermining some of the goodwill that we've created, and doing so for reasons that are not that very that cogent. But but um, I'm just grateful for your for your friendship and. For our ongoing conversations, and I'm thrilled to have you part of this no, podcast, as, which is the p- as,
1: as am I. This is fun.
0: <laughs> it's the, po- the point is to try and like talk real again, like talk like human beings about these subjects, and not talk like ideologues, because in in a sense we're all humans, and we all need to love each other. I, and that sounds incredibly banal when I say it like that, but I
1: believe well, it. Well, but you're a Catholic, and I you're am entitled a to I say that. that.
0: You know, it it's like. And I and I I, I also think that let me say this uh, it, it, as, a, as a Christian, um, this is where Jesus would be. I have no question. With yeah, but Jesus
1: never talked about gay or trans. I mean, that no, never but he did
0: up. talk about did talk about the marginalized. Yeah, all the time. Oh, definitely, and, and is... lived the life of embracing the outsiders and seeing the human soul within these complicated stru- constructs <laughs> and left those constructs behind for that for that individual soul and that that to me is the overriding impulse here and um i just want to thank you for being there with being here with me and for thinking this through and i hope uh we'll be able to do it again at some point in the distant future maybe in the near future i don't know
1: no whenever you want to do that maybe you can even bring somebody else in and we can have a (laughs) three-way As long as there are no <laughs> vaginas that I have to that's actually right. encounter, I'll be fine. Yeah, that's uh, okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Thanks All so much. Right. And thanks this is another lot. episode of The Dish coming to you from Washington, D.C. See you later.
1: Okay.